Everyone. Welcome to this new episode of So Here's What Happened. I am your host, Carolyn Hines, and I'm joined by my co-host, Lanisha Campbell. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things nerdy, film, TV shows, manga, comics, books, from the perspective of two nerdy black women. And this has been an episode, this episode has been a while <laughs> in coming because we have kind of fallen behind with our um, podcast, with our episodes for summer. So this episode will be about what we watched and read during June and July. And as it will be published in August, we're a bit, uh, as I said, a month behind. But thank you so much for listening to us. And for the first thing we're going to discuss today is going to be the manga Chainsaw Man. And Lanisha is the one who's going to be discussing that. This is a... Um, a manga where for some people if you if they if they're not familiar with um, manga and aren't familiar with the story and the imagery they might be a bit taken aback when they first start reading this one because the imagery is quite um blunt and also violent and i for my one part did feel a bit ew <laughs> when i saw the first panels i haven't read it but i've seen panels for the manga and I was just like what is going on up in here but Lanisha is going to get into all of that we're going to discuss what the expectations some people new to manga and new to the series um, might not be expecting and how that can in- affect people's way of reading and receiving the story and so Lanisha take it away yeah so for my book um, I'd, I honestly I've been as Carolyn said, it's been a minute before since we've recorded, since like both of us have been a, a very busy summer. But I have finally found the time to read manga again. And yeah, I've been reading Chain. I started Chainsaw Man recently recently. Um, a lot of people probably now have heard the news that Chainsaw Man will be getting adapted into an anime. I decide I've known about Chainsaw Man since it premiered as a manga, but like my whole thing was like I rather wait until there's a bulk of comics, like not comics, um, of chapters before I read a manga. So I kind of just like to let things build up. But now it's at 100 chapters. So I decided to dig right into it. And honestly, I love it. Um, Similar to like what what Carolyn said, a big thing to understand and to keep in mind when you go into Chainsaw Man is that it is heavy on gore, blood and violence. Um, My biggest pet peeve with some people when it comes to like these kind of titles um, is that with a shit with an anime manga called Chainsaw Man, you know there's going to be blood and gore. So like, I just don't want to hear any complaints about oh, it's too gory, because uh, his name is Chainsaw Man. Uh, but I I think it's really interesting. So like, the story centers on this character. His name is Dingy. He's about 16 years old. He has to pay off his father's debt, and his father's debt is like millions at this point, millions of yen in debt to the mob. Um, so he's basically been trying to pay off his debt. He sold his eye. He sold one of his testicles. Like they let you know, right? You, they let you know what you're getting, right? But you don't see it. Carolyn's making a very aghast face. I, I, but, I I'm making an aghast face for two reasons. What Nisha is describing, but also my ten mic uh, sometimes co-host Yoko, as you can hear her. <laughs> Of course, mm-hmm. always decides to bark. Stop it. She just wants, she's, let's, she's letting us know that she enjoys Chainsaw Man as well. But you um, I'm going to mute myself while I have okay. a discussion. Um, so, yeah, as I was saying, Chainsaw Man, the thing about the show also is that it takes place in a world where there are devils. Devils, as in like 
they can be different sized monsters that wreak havoc on the on the world but there is a there is a force of people with special abilities or they make contracts with devils dingy at the beginning is not on that team but he does make a contract with a devil and that allows him to be able to fight back the devils so there aren't the devils aren't always inherently bad for the most part they are so this is important going into it through some unforeseen circumstances dingy ends up making another contract with the same devil and he turns into chainsaw man i won't give away how that happens but it's a very interesting scene um but i the thing i like about this so much like the art is amazing it's gritty but then it's also just like very action-packed and fluid um the artist does not hold back anything at all when it comes to illustrating the violence and the gore so again something to keep in mind because like i said my biggest pet peeve is when people watch things or read things and they go into it and be like well it was too gory they shouldn't have made it this gory or i'm like or you don't have to watch it or read it if you realized it wasn't for you because you don't like that much gore or violence there's just a different way of phrasing these things but anyways highly recommend watching it but again i do recommend y'all understand when you go into it that this is a very violent series but there's a lot of comedy and i enjoy it so far i'm on like i'm on on chapter 25 at this point there's 100 chapters currently and yeah the anime will be coming out i think this year so that's exciting and i'm hoping that i i actually can't wait to watch the anime after reading it so I am not, I have never read like, any full chapter of Chainsaw Man, but I've seen panels mm-hmm. of it. So yeah. I know what the gore looks like. I know what the concept mm-hmm. is. And it is, as Nisha says, extremely gory. But in the thing with, I, I don't know if, I, I don't know if it would be called an empath, but I'm the kind of person, like, if I see people, like, get cut or wound, like, I kind of have a mm-hmm. sensation of it. Like, I get, you know, like, it's not just sympathy, empathy. Like, I just get, like, calls of, uh, this weird sensation of I'm feeling the pain too. So when I see anything like that, my body just like cringes and I just mm-hmm. like, like imagine and I'm just like the whole concept of chainsaw man is that these blades of a chainsaw yep. are coming out of his body, his arms and his head. And it just like, I remember the first time I saw a panel for chainsaw man, I was like, my body just like fully repulsed. And it was just like, my, I got like a headache because I just, the whole concept of this poor boy turning into such a, and he's not just like a monster, like how you would say, like a typical monster with like, you know, like a slime monster or like an mm-hmm. alien eye or whatever. He is, he turns into a literal weapon. And like yeah. one of the most disturbing things, like, is a chainsaw. And like, and I think that's probably why it also disturbs me too, because I've seen chainsaws in action, I've seen what they can do. So, and I've also seen like people get injured from working with things like, um, circular saws and stuff from I mean, like wood woodworking um shops and mm-hmm. stuff like i used to volunteer in an er here in canada so i know i've seen injuries of people who work with those kind of materials and they see what it can do so like when i saw that panel my body just went through this whole like this repulse and i'm just like i don't know like the mind of these like these creators i'm just like but why do they explain why a chainsaw in particular not like why he's asking yes. like turning to sores or yes it has so, something to do with the devil that he made a contract with. Um, was was the was the person the devil? Was he? Did he used to work as no. a, as an arborist? So th- and this isn't even on trees. this isn't really a big spoiler, but like at the beginning of the series, Dingy, the contract he makes with the devil, it's like it looks like a dog devil, but mm-hmm. it has a chainsaw sticking out of its head. 
So think of like a dog and a chainsaw as fuse. Yeah, yeah. So like that's and he and they make a contract. He's like because he's a smaller devil. He's not that strong, so he's usually prey to bigger, stronger devils. Mm-hmm. So he's like, well, I'll look out for you if you look out for me, and we can work together. We can like you know kill devils. So like yeah. it's basically like he has a dog, and then the unforeseen circumstances I mentioned is that the mob basically betrays him, and they kill him. So Dingy is dead. The de- they, and they also kill the devil. But the thing about devils are like if they consume blood, they can re they can um regenerate um but it's also a way for them to sign contracts or form contracts so dingy kind of like made a contract agreement with the devil earlier on that like if anything ever happens to me you can take my body but the devil the dog devil decided like i'm giving you a second chance um i want to live life with you still i like you and like basically they now they have fused together and he has his little chainsaw pull cord in his chest and every time to activate his powers he has to rip the cord and they go off but i think the interesting thing to note is like this isn't like some other and like manga where like they don't mention like oh is it painful and he's like oh yeah it's painful but i don't feel it like it's not like wolverine with the sneak it claws or whatever every time they come out that's right and he's like oh it hurts every time they come out and he's like but you don't act like it hurts like no then she's like it hurts like hell i really don't like to use this power unless i absolutely have to because it hurts and the chainsaws run off of blood so if he he's losing blood as he uses his chainsaws so his blood is the oil for the chainsaw is pretty much Uh, oh yeah but he's constantly saying like no this hurts like it hurts him excruciatingly when he has to use that so he's just like i don't want to ha- use it if i don't have to which makes yeah. sense yeah. So, yeah well then you mentioned and that line the thing with that line in um in the x-men movie from wolverine i have always taken it to me not that it hurts him but that he mm-hmm. hurts others like every time uh, they come out the intention is to be hurt someone so that's why i've always that's why i was always i've always interpreted that line to me that it, they hurt but they hurt other people that's mm. all of our thing. But then they like, think about Genji. There's another character that um uh you we 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 have talked about Sweet Home before in previous in a previous episode. That was mm-hmm. in 2020, because Sweet Home released in December 2020. But they're the main character, like close spoilers, but this is two years going on, people. Come on now. Yeah, um, no, the main character anymore. when he finally gets his powers, right? When he finally does get his powers, like his he gets these massive black wings, but they're mm. like but the feathers are like shards of like granite because they're like this hard mm. stone and like they can fly up and turn into swords and stuff but like the way how they show it in the in the show and i'm guessing in the man in the uh, manual that is based on because it's based on a, um, on a manual is that every time they come out his back they hurt him too like it's extremely painful because they're like the, the blades are ripping through his back every the, like when they emerge Right. And so like when you talk about Kenji, that made me think of that character too from Sweet Home. Like his 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 power is just like brutally painful for him too. Like cool. Mm-hmm. Like the effects seem to a fantastic job, but I'm just like they look excruciatingly painful too. Mm-hmm. It is. And it like it looks amazing to see, like in the manga. So like and similarly, I agree, like because in the sweet home, I'm like, oh, they're so pretty to look at, but it hurts. Like you can just imagine so it, like, oh. But yeah, that's so that's Chainsaw Man. But on from there, let's go ahead and get into TV. What have you been watching? 
Um, so I haven't been watching as many dramas I would normally watch. Issues, cognitive impairment. I was having speech and process issues. But I did recently start get back into watching dramas. But I'm not going to talk about a, an Asian drama this time around. I'll do that in the next episode. But I will talk about um, Power Book 3, Raising Canaan. So I've never really watched the previous Power episodes. So there was Power and then there was Ghost. And, mm-hmm. and this one is the third I guess we would say the third book in the in the story, and it's about raising Canaan. So Canaan is the original is who Ghost is, if I'm if I'm honest correctly. And I watched this show. I watched some of the episodes for this show because we interviewed um, the cast and the and the show creator um, mm-hmm. Steve Khan for this for this show for Africa, and it was really interesting because I wasn't really well. First of first it's a um, a star show and I didn't I don't have stars I can only watch stars when I get screeners <laughs> mm. um, but it was really interesting to me because that like, is set in the 90s and like me being a 90s you're you're too young Misha too young but me being I was born in 91 <laughs> you don't but do you remember do you have clear Im- images of the of the of the fashion of the cars the music yes I do well okay yes. my earliest happened. memories are when I was four male <laughs> I understand though like I understand like but like yeah I remember at least from like 95 I have like memories <laughs> oh my gosh she said 95 that's when I was going into secondary no I was in secondary school because I went into secondary school in 94 so I'm like okay. an 80s baby I was born in 1983 yes people mm-hmm. this girl is gonna be 39 <laughs> at the end of August <laughs> but you don't you don't look a day over 30 I know God, praise God. Black does not crack. Amen. Jesus, the genes, the genes, preparations. Mm-hmm. This is genetic preparations. Um, <laughs> but it was really interesting to watch this because they have done such a fantastic job, like getting the vibe of the 90s. Yes, the show mm-hmm. is set in New York. It's set in America. But like, so there's very specific things of the 90s that I think translates across the diaspora, like the fashion, mm-hmm. the hair, the clothing, the speech, you know, the music. Like I grew up hearing the same music. I grew up watching my brother and his friends wear these ridiculous outfits, you right. know, and watching the girls getting their hair flat ironed and permed and like, all of this stuff. So it was like really interesting to see that. But this story is so interesting because the it's about Canaan, yes, but this particular mm-hmm. season to me seems like it's about the mother who is um, Raquel or Rock, played by Patina Miller. She's so badass. She's so good. And she's basically, um, she's uh, she runs this family. She is the matriarch, you know. She has her three mm-hmm. um, brothers, but, and then she has her son, who is Kenan, played by Makai Curtis. And then there's also her um, her friend's daughter that she's raising, um, Dupas, played by Haley Kilgore. And it's about these dynamics of how, like, there's other woman, she, she, one thing about the show is that there's no discussion of gender dynamics. Like, there's no discussion mm. about she has to prove her, her, um, her ability to lead these men. She's a, it's like drug dealing, but there's no discussion of having to prove her worth to, of, on her badassness of ruling these men. There's nothing about that. It's basically most of the, the strife comes from the fact that her brothers are kind of beginning to doubt her. Her some of the decisions she makes not because she's a woman but because she they think she's moving too fast you know they're thinking like you are you like you you're taking 10 steps ahead but are you thinking about the consequences of some of these actions right so I think that's such an interesting thing 
And then there's her son, um, Kanan, who is just like, she forced it. She, well, she didn't force him to do it, but she ordered him to do something in the second season. And she's starting to see the consequences of that action. And also, and like, it's so interesting to see a black woman playing this specific role where I don't recall any other show where um, you've had a black woman be the, the head of a drug family, right? We've had this a couple of times in like Italian mob movies and like a woman, like her position would be called a, a mole. She'd be a, a mole, but mm-hmm. and that's more M-O-L, not M-O-L-E. Um, and she, but she's just running these women and she's so badass. And, but then like, there's also the softer side of her as a mother and as a sister and as an aunt. And then there's all this whole dynamics of sexual, of like sexual identity, but like not about sexual identity with regards to jukebox. Like she's queer, but there's no discussion. It's just queer. Like you just assume she is, and that's that's right. it. And and then there's like music and like there, like she's a like um, Haley Kilgore is a fantastic singer. Like there's this whole discussion about music with her character, like how she she wants to be a musician, but now she's meeting her mom who left her when she was a baby. Mm-hmm. And like her mom is a gospel singer. And like, there's this whole thing about how black people, we turn to music to like help us like cope with situations, but also how we turn to gospel music. And mm-hmm. I, I really want to see how that plays up for the rest of the season, because from what I've been told, since I didn't watch the first season, this is a, uh, this season, Raising Canaan is a prequel to the very first season. So like, right. if you've seen season one and season two, you know how everything that's happening now in Raising Canaan is going to end. But I didn't watch it. But from what I've been told, she becomes pretty like fearful. Apparently she's similar to this character called Mouse from the Wire. And I'm like, if that's who she turns into, I would love, I can't wait to see like how that, how that journey begins in this season because like to see the, the character she is, to see who Jukebot is now in season three, I'm just like, how did you get there? Mm. You know, like how, how did you get where you ended up? And all of them too, because like, it's, it's just, it's, I think it's a really good show and the cast is amazing. Patina Miller, she's mm-hmm. like i've seen four or five episodes and like she's just knocking everything out of the park every episode and i'm familiar with her because i she's um been in a few sci-fi films and um tv shows and she's been in like madam secretary and in hunger games she was in hunger games in the last two films she is the one that turned that that took over when um snow and the other president died you know oh. the black woman that's her. yes Yes, I think she's from like District 4 or something. The only one who had sense. Yes, the only person. Leave it to the black woman to come through with a proper plan. Where she's like, I don't think anyone else should go through this pain again, guys. Yeah, she was like, you know what? Let's let's nip this shit in the butt. (laughs) Right. But yeah, but that's Patina. um, um, That's Patina Miller. She's a fantastic actress. So that's my recommendation for June and July Power Book 3, Raising Kenan. On the Stars Network, you can find my interview with Patina. We did a roundtable with like the whole main cast, but we didn't have enough time to for everyone to for all the journalists to speak to the whole cast. We only got one person, and I picked Patina, and we had a great chat. And you can find that on my YouTube channel for the under the Africa Virtual Roundtables um, videos, or what I'm saying Africa Virtual Roundtable uh, playlist. And now for her watch, Nisha is going to tell us what is her recommendation. Yeah. So I actually forgot one that I'm actually very excited to talk about. So I'll keep mine. I'll try to keep mine pretty short. So I have I've watched the rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This is the 2021. I won't even call those reboots anymore. They're just like adaptions, uh, adaptations. And then there's iCarly, the 
current one where our our Kelly is grown. That's on mm-hmm. Paramount Plus. And then I also finished watching P Valley, which that's the one I'm most ta- excited to talk about. So real quick. Oh wait, no. Okay, wait. How about this? How about instead of you talking about P Valley, then you say P Valley for the next one because I really need to get caught up on P Valley. Please, 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 please. please. We can we talk. Don't have a, we're, we're, we can. Ha- how about this? I will do this. How about we have a P Valley episode? Yes, we can record sometime this week. Okay, y'all. So y'all will get a special P Valley episode. Yes. Okay. I will. I can. I can contain myself. I won't talk about P Valley. All right. So then no, go. I okay, don't mind spoilers, but like, I know you don't mind spoilers. But if you really wild. girl, I can't. Oh, okay, we'll just save that for the next for the a bonus episode then. So, anyways, going into like Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This is the 2020 2021 um, adaptation of you know, of course, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Funny enough, someone mentioned to me. Um, apparently, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have only had four animated ad- adaptations, so only four animated series. When you like really think about it, I'm like, yo, I really thought they had more, but it makes complete sense because there was the one from the '80s, there was one in the '90s, early 2000s. There was the mo. There was like the one before this one. I think 2016. And now we have, then that one was like a CGI. And now you have this one. And I have to say, I grew up on the second, ad- I, I remember the first adaptation. Mm. However, I remember the second adaptation more. And it's like for people who grew up watching Saturday morning cartoons, and it was like, I think it was Kids WB or Fox Kids. It was one of those. Mm. It would come on there. Like, that was my jam because the turtles were like a bit edgier. Of course, no one without any shock to anybody. I am definitely a Raphael girl. Like that is my favorite turtle. Um, he was the most sensible I, one. When they let him be sensible, <laughs> which is something. So like in the, I believe this is a, is a is a trend though. Like in the at least in the two that I remember the most. So like the CGI one and the second one. Mm-hmm. Raphael and Leonardo always had the rivalry, mm-hmm. but Leonardo typically was like the leader. So everybody looked to Leonardo for the, to be a leader. And this one, Raph is the leader. Raph is the uh-huh. oldest brother. And he's like, I love how okay, so the best thing about their designs is that they're all very unique and different turtles. So like Donnie's a soft shell turtle. <laughs> Mikey, um, Le- Raphael is a snapping turtle, so like the big snapping turtles that can snap a person's and they're aggressive. Oh, Ag- aggressive but he's very but he's also very much like Raph he's a himbo <laughs> so I'm gonna look up the other two for that for using different different species of turtles like what yeah and I think it's just like and it plays into their design so like I think like people have like been used to like you know in previous versions they all look identical um kind of as- like aside from like their accessories but in this one they like really stand out on their own mm-hmm. for like by the spit by them being different species. So I love that in the design. And then also there's a movie that's on Netflix in the first season of the um of the first season of the animated series from Nickelodeon is also on Netflix. So be- highly recommend y'all check them out. But I was just gonna look up so I could be more accurate. Yeah so Raphael's an al- action an alligator snapping turtle. <laughs> Favorite thing, favorite thing about him. Leonardo is a rear ear, a red eared slider. So, you know, the fast, like the, the fast swimming turtles. Oh, okay. They're okay, known okay. for like swimming very, like, I think they call them like swimming turtles or something. Um, Donatello's spiny soft shell turtle. 
which those are always weird looking to me. And then Michelangelo is an ornate box turtle. So I just love the designs so much. They're very unique and different, but then it's like the voice acting is great. They mm-hmm. all like have a very New York feel, but like different parts of New York where like yeah. Donnie, of course, is very smart, but he's also very like, I just have to, I have to commend everybody in this show for the voice acting because they just do a really good job of making all of them sound different and unique. Like Leonardo is supposed to, he thinks he's so cool and he knows everything. Hmm. So he has a very slick and smooth like personality. Uh, Whereas Raph being the big brother and the protector of everybody, he's like, guys, you have to be serious. But then like next minute, he's like, oh, he's goofing off or he's looking at something. It's like, oh, this is cute. So it's just like, it's 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 perfect. I really, really love it because I think it does a good job of blending, you know, the comedy and the action because this series actually actually wants me to, has made me want to get into the reading the comics that, that's still going on because there's a very dark and edgy comics title that's going on right now called The Last Ronin for the Ninja Turtles. Of course and Of course. Well, like, that's the thing. They started off dark in the beginning and then they got like in the original comics everything was like yeah, black was and white yeah. it was yeah it was darker back then and then like i feel like this one really does a good job of balancing because it's not all dark but like when it's serious stuff is happening serious stuff is happening i, I think it got a bit lighter in tone probably i think around the early 2000s because in the the first time like you said they were kind of dark more serious mm-hmm. tone yeah and, like, the first film the first mm-hmm. film was serious dark in concept too and but still darky because like come on it's both it's a it's a film about giant turtles who can do who do who do martial somebody arts. literally said darky. like can we make them can we make them like pizza and like talk like surfers and it was like yeah right so sure. like it, but it sounds like they're animals because like you again like these are turtles who are like living in a sewer horrible conditions mm. their master is a talk it's a giant talking rat and like they're fighting like samurai from like Japan for some reason and that has ninjas, never ever made. And you. then alternate, but oh, in this never. one they fight yokai. But why? Because they can't. Don't because question it. I, I know. So I'm like, that's like my you like that's how my brain works. My brain is always like, but why? I can and explain then I know why. I have to turn it off and just say because reasons. As so I apparently, I mean, the, the Ninja Turtles have fought aliens, the the, the Krang. They have fought interdimensional monsters. So like them fighting yokai felt like yo, no, this is like, like the it's most. It's not a stretch. It just, that's not, how my brain works. My brain, oh, my, yeah, first, no. my brain just always automatically goes, but why? But to answer your question, it's because like there's a secret yeah. underground city of yokai that have been <laughs> living underneath New York this entire time. And, and like, somehow through all the immense construction going on New York, it's never been discovered. No, because they're hidden. However, the good thing, like, like and I, this one even has its own original origin story is like, Instead of it just being that the turtles and like Master Splinter got into some ooze with the Foot Clan, you know, like I feel like it changes every time. Instead, this time apparently Master Shredder was like, imagine Jet Lee, Jackie Chan, and Bruce Lee one person. He was like a famous <laughs> kung fu movie star, and I think they call him Lou. Sh- Lu Sh- like I I'm not gonna butcher it. Not but, like, Lu Chang. Lu Kang? No, not Lu Chang. It was like Lu Win Shu. Like it was like uh let me just look at Master Sp- <laughs> Master Splinter because it's hilarious. <laughs> so basically, Master Splinter 
is actually all right i'm not gonna worry about his name because i'm <laughs> i keep getting the main one that i don't want okay so like i was saying he's basically a blend if you took jackie chan bruce lee and jet lee into one person he's mm-hmm. a kung fu movie star his name is lu jitsu <laughs> that's a stage name but he's still hamato yoshi so they, they really like, did not try with this one they were like let's just be as literal no but like they went why didn't they just name it wing chung jujitsu like come on now but it's because like that's and that's the thing he chose his own stage name because like in this version instead of him leaving coming to america with his wife and kids it's that he wanted to become a, a, a movie star the, the writers chose this name for him no but i'm right. saying okay yes the, but like that's because the character himself is like not being he's not he chose instead of like following his family's like history like the former versions like and honoring them he chose like i'm gonna use my talents for fame and fortune no, and I that's kind of that. i don't mean that. i mean just the name literally yes but like, like that that, that gets at it no but it, like it, i feel like that like is a nod to like those 1970s kung fu characters with like I the cheesy just, names just seems that, i mean i don't know who is the writers and like what they're so just going off of that like you guys didn't stretch yourself like that much did you because he's corny <laughs> they just wanted to make him a corny kung fu star and i love oh it my gosh. but so there there's just like that whole thing so it's very while it's the same story that we're all very familiar with it's still mm-hmm. very different and fresh and everybody should watch it if you are a ninja turtles fan because i love the ninja turtles <laughs> and this is just a very i think it's a new way of telling the story so then other show, uh, since we won't be talking about P-Valley right now, is iCarly. That's the, I. it's not really a reboot, it's a continuation, kind of like what they did with Raven's Home, which like, what I will say is like, nothing against Raven's Home. I've watched it a few times with my sister and it's all right, but like, I don't care about them kids. And I like that iCarly is not that. I like that iCarly is very much about Carly being th- a 30-something <laughs> living in seattle still after she lived it like come it picks up right not right when she left off and um the end of the iCarly original series but like it kind of just is a continuation where it's like oh yeah after moving back after going to italy and being there and going to school there and graduating blah 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 she's back here and she has a roommate named harper and like i will be honest the reason why i decided to watch this show is because i love lacey mosley <laughs> she's hilarious i love her podcast scam goddess but she's on the show as harper carly's roommate and Uh i just appreciate how they aged up the show but they still retained the comedy that i carly is known for like there are some parts where it's a little cringe where you're just like oh god like carly's trying to be an influencer but at the same time like they're definitely making fun of the whole influencer culture and it's like, it's interesting because like when iCarly started back in the day, like, yeah, it was being a YouTuber. Now it's like being a streamer and like doing all these extra things, TikToks, Instagram. Like, I like how the show is kind of like not shying away also from the fact that Car- Carly is a grown woman, that she is an adult grown woman with adult grown woman problems. And that translates also into her dating life. And they are, they, I mean, I just get it. They they talk about sex on the show. They talk about like they talk about dating. They talk about relationships. Um, I do really love what I do love about Harper's character is that La- Lacey Mosley's character, and she commented on this before, is that 
um i cannot i love the woman who is actually the showrunner on the show but i can't remember her name right now but like they made sure to give harper agency when it came to her sexuality because mm-hmm. like they they are not a, afraid to, of talking about like oh Har- harper is bisexual well, what the, like there's not this big old oh well, what does that mean and are you half and half like she's like they make jokes about it but it's like it's her writing her jokes about it where like you know getting away from the misconceptions that people assume about bi- someone who's bisexual so it's like there's a joke where spencer and harper are like well let's see who can get the most numbers and pick up the most people here at this party and he's like well that's not fair because you're bisexual and like she's like oh i hope you're not suggesting just because i am attracted to men and women that that means i have some unfair advantage against you and he's like you're right <laughs> like there's th- there's things that they just like are able to make jokes about now that like I I just appreciate that this isn't that I, I appreciate that they didn't try to keep iCarly at the age and in, in comedic intelligence that it was before, but rather it evolved into being like this is definitely for adults. You could watch it with kids if you want to, because like I mean, think of it as like almost like Friends, How I Met Your Mother level of like <laughs> comedy. But like this is definitely for the people who watched iCarly. And maybe for kids who are like, I don't know, teenagers, preteens, I don't know if they watch these days. But yeah, I appreciate it for being a fan of the show when I was in like high school and grade school. Mm. I never really watched iCarly. I've seen like a few episodes or stuff, but it's like that kind of like the the comedy in Nickelodeon shows has never appealed to me. Even when I was younger, like they never did. Like the so, whole laugh track, the canned laughter, the che- like Nickelodeon shows have always been super cheesy to me. It's it's like, the fact that like iCarly and Victorious were the only ones that I actually liked when mm-hmm. I was like around that age, like in that target audience. And you're right, because the other ones were just like, this is so cringe. Like it's not it's funny. Oh so, cringy. But like even but, like no like, shade to Raven, but I never really liked that so Raven either. Because again, like all of them have the same type of humor. And again, because all of them were all gay, written by cringy white people. So it's like then all the like even the ones on the Disney Channel all never appealed. It it was always a hit and miss. Like you might find a good teen tween like comedy show, but like sitcom show. But like I feel like back in the day, there were more. Like I liked my brother and me, Taina. Like what was the other one? Melissa explains it all. Like those were some like really good classic ones that I think did a good job of being funny. And then it's just like when we got older, there just weren't that many. Or it's like if you weren't in that target audience, you were just gonna be like, This is not for me. And that's how I feel now. Like I wanna watch especially if we only have shows like Moesha and um and that one was more dramatic than it was comedy too. Yeah. We had more like more mature for black people, we had more mature like Moesha living single you know those um mm-hmm. girlfriends that was more the type of comedy like back home in Barbados again because access to like TV channels was kind of hard for us because mm-hmm. unless you had money and you had money for satellite TV or you had money for STV it was kind of hard picking up those channels and then we had like what we would call um oh my god it's called it's called multi-choice TV which is what North Americans would call cable Right, mm-hmm. but that was super expensive. But you had we could pick up can I, I think that they were being pirated. Those were pirated channels that we were getting. But mm. through these, this multi choice, it was like cable TV. But we only had like so they just, we weren't guaranteed which channels you would get. So like I would right. be trying to be seeing shows like those kind of shows, like the Disney, Nickelodeon, 
fought series shows and it would be just like this humor is not me that's why i was more of a sci-fi nerd growing up sci-fi action show i watched mostly like you know like the old shows like matlock and murder she wrote and then for sci-fi it was star trek mm-hmm. and um time tracks and um but it was, it was there was another one it was star trek time tracks macgyver those, those kind of those kind of shows are more my speed back in the day Gotcha. Yeah, I feel, and I think that maybe that's the point because, like, if you mentioned, like, we're both like a decade apart, and it's just like some of these shows. It's like if you just weren't in it mm-hmm. at that age, you're just like, why would I watch this show? Yeah. Like, I was on, I got into iCarly like at the right point where it's like I can watch this and laugh about this, and this is funny and wacky. But like, if I was in college, I probably wouldn't have cared about it as much. Where it's like, I just think, yeah, it's. It's better now that they, I, I appreciate that they aged up the comedy as mm-hmm. they aged up the characters instead of trying to, where it's like, I get it with Raven, like they definitely wanted to have the focus on her kids mm-hmm. and like, yeah, that's fine. And that probably introduces in a whole bunch of like new audiences to that's so a Raven. But at the same time, I'm just like, but I came here for Raven. <laughs> yeah. That's so... You you mentioned our age difference, like we are a generation apart. Yes, people. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what I kind of like about our dynamic because like mm-hmm. we have because we have that what you would call a generational gap, but because like our experiences are so different, like we do have like different viewing experiences from when we were younger. But now that mm-hmm. we're both adults, we have kind of the same, which is still kind of funny. We have the same viewing experiences now because we tend to watch like the same type of films and shows and stuff. But mm-hmm. when we but because of how we grew up, like our experiences from our young our youth yeah our, yes. our younger days are like complete are like all complete opposites is like complete 180 from each other so that's like right so, like that's just i, was, I just thought i would mention because i was just thinking about it you see that's what makes us different yeah it, it's what makes the show work you know <laughs> um so then yeah um let's go ahead and get into the last part as y'all know I, or may not know, I got back from Crunchyroll Expo earlier this month, and I got a lot of exciting things I want to talk about. One, my, one main thing in my movies included in that, but Carolyn has been a very busy bee. And also, you just got back from what festival was it? I did. I didn't get back from anywhere. I stayed in Toronto. But well, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. I, I, I would have loved to have been able to travel because it was held in Montreal. I was at the mm. 20, I, I virtually attended the 2022 Fantasia Film Festival. And this is a film festival that, that's more for genre shows, mostly like drama, horror, thrillers, and sci-fi, and mostly from those from Asian countries, but also including Canadian, as I said, because it's mostly in Montreal, but most of the, um, the platform films come from across like Asia, especially East and Southeast Asia. And I didn't watch as many films as I would normally watch um, because I wasn't feeling well. But I'm going to only briefly discuss three of the films that I watched. And I also did a few interviews for them as well. One of the films I watched is Next Sohee. This is a South Korean film by writer and director Julie Jung. So this is her second feature film. And it Mm -hmm. stars Duna and Kim Sheehan. So Kim Sheehan is a relatively new actress. And mm-hmm. she did, I think she did a fantastic job in this film. But next, so he is, was written and directed by Julie Jung. And this is her second feature film. And this film, it had, it deals with very heavy topics. So I would suggest for anyone like the, to be aware going into this film that is about suicide. And mm. it's about men, and it's about this young girl, this teenager, um, Sohee, played by Kim Sheehan, 
who joins what is called what is called an externship program for her school. So that like, you know, like first in a lot of countries, you know, when you were graduating from like high school or second or summer case, yeah. you would do like after school work programs or you do like work programs like during summer to get like, extra credits and extra points and that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. this program is like that. So it's like really, but it's like specifically for these young girls who are recruited to work in a call center. Mm-hmm. First and first, teenagers should not be working in a call center, especially teenagers in the school because call centers. I I worked one in a call center and I said never ever again. And yeah. like you, you have people who are rude to to the um to the to the call center operators. You have people who are dismissive, who are extremely sexist, especially because they hear young girls on the phone. They're sexist and they're just like disrespectful. And you have these young girls who are being subjected to all of this verbal abuse from customers. But then you also have like Matt, their supervisors and the com- and the CEOs of the companies putting a lot of pressure on them, saying you got to meet these performance goals. If you do this, we'll give you a bonus things that they, they promise bonuses, promise gifts and stuff, but they never give them to the girls. And so he, after she witnesses something extremely terrible, she, this is not a spoiler because it's literally in the show, in the film description, she commits suicide. But the big part of this film, the, like this film is kind of like divided into two parts, but it's so well connected. In the first half of the film, it's about us getting to know Sohi. We see mm-hmm. her with her friends. We see her like she was she she was she was a dancer, and we see her at the call center. We see how she changes from this very bright and optimistic and and very um forthright this this forthright young girl who was very open and being and she not that she was doing anything but she was standing for herself and standing for others. And this say how she just slowly began to change over time from working this part. And then after her death, you see the second part is the the detective played by Beduna who is kind of backtracking and trying to figure out why did this young girl do this? Why, what would make a teenager, a young girl, commit suicide? Especially when mm-hmm. there was no saying that, that, that to people, they didn't seem to be no saying. And for her, it was like, no one else is trying to find out what's happening. People just accepted that, oh, you know, she just committed suicide. And she's like, people don't just <laughs> commit suicide, right? Right. For teenagers, she's like, something has to be wrong. So like, she finds out, she starts to, to, to dig into this company. And she and it's basically through the investigation, you see how the system is failing these young girls, right? How the system is failing these students and how their parents feel them because her parents were only interested in saying, oh my gosh, she has a job. Like, you know, they're like, oh, she's a contributing member of society. She's going to be able to, like, you know, grow to be a, a, a young woman with ambition or whatever. And like, they're just happy their daughter has a job. And they're just like, oh, this is going to help her graduate and go to a good college, whatever. Mm-hmm. And her teachers are exploiting her because the teacher that signed up for her, he knew that the company is shady, but he didn't do anything when she went to him and said, she's like, something's wrong here. We, I need help. And the teacher didn't help her. So through the investigation, you see how, like, the system, the parents, the teachers, the companies and even the, the education ministry fills these girls and it's all systematic there it's like it's not just one person it's a whole system that's failing all of these students and the, the really sad thing about this film I say it's self-green but it's based on a true story so the, the writer the director she there's this it was um and it's more than one case that this is this it's happened more than once but mm-hmm. she read about this particular case and she started to do more research and that's what inspired her to make this film. She wants to bring attention to it and she's like some like this is this shouldn't keep happening, but it is still keep it's still happening. And that's and it's a, and that's it's a really good thing. But I said it's very heavily, um, it's very heavy um emotionally, but I think it's a, I think it, I I'm interested to see once it's released in South Korea what the response to it will be because it hasn't been released theatrically in South Korea as yet. I think it's gonna be released in September. So that's one that um, I'm like I'm gonna be following to see the reactions to that. 
And I interviewed the director, Julai Jung, for the podcast for Karen Tell. So that is on our podcast. Right for right now, it's on our RSS feed um, and on different podcast streaming platforms like ACAST. I haven't been able to write up um, my write-up blog post for that soon. I will, I will do that soon. And I also interviewed the director for another film called Red Shoes, which is a Japanese film. That was really a really good interview. And I interviewed the director for Special Delivery. There's a story behind why that isn't published yet, but I'll push that publish that eventually and soon. And the next film I'm gonna talk about um, is a film called. There's two films I'm gonna talk about. This one, one is called Illinois. So Illinois is an interesting film. Illinois. First thing first, I'll say this film is long. It's two hours and twenty two minutes, Dang. and it's the first part of two films. And I forgot when I started watching this film that is a that is a part one. So when I looked mm-hmm. at the runtime, I'm like okay it's 220 minutes this is a thing and then when it got to them was like oh wait this film is in two but it takes place in two different timelines so there's the past during the gory um era which is around 1301 to like and it takes place it says it starts 1301 and then around 1318 around that time and then it takes place in like our present day so historical present day sci-fi action and kudos to the director because like it does the he he has um like i like his vision i like where he's going with the film i appreciate when a director is gonna i'm gonna try to be different i'm gonna make something that isn't mainstream i'm gonna make something that is unique and this film is very unique but it also i think also pays a lot of homages to like a lot of different genres like like there's clear references to like the avengers the first avengers film there's clear references to um, the first Mission Impossible film. There's references to other like um, South Korean action films where I watch them. Like this is like definitely an homage to this film. This is an homage to this particular genre, and it's really cool. But it's not like too on the nose where it's distracting. You're just like, okay, wait, mm-hmm. I see where he's going with this. And like one thing about I love about South Korean films in particular, like they even even if they don't have a massive budget, they know when it comes to CGI and VFX, they know where to put their money. And this film has flawless from this. I saw it on my laptop. I would love to see this film. In, I would love to see specific scenes of this film in the cinema because the flaw, the CGI for this film is flawless. Like the integration of the of 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 VFX in the especially in the historical parts, and then also in the modern day, it's really really clean. The action sequences are really well directed and done as well. The cast is really good. And but my own my main critique of the film is that it takes a bit long to really feel cohesive it feels mm-hmm. like two it, it's kind of like two separate film stories being told at the same time and i think for in the past the, the sequences that take place in the past that could have been achieved with either with flashbacks and not create a whole separate storyline or i think what he could have done is have the first film take place mm-hmm. in the past and the second film take place in the present got you i think that's what he could have done and it, mm. and it would have worked, but I think what he's trying to show is like, kind of like, um, I haven't seen it yet, but kind of like everything, everywhere, all at once, you know, film with Michelle, you know, how it's like all of these different timelines and this thing. So I think uh-huh. he was kind of doing something similar. And this is, and this past and present thing is not new, especially in like Asian cinema. This is very, a very yeah. common feature and a very common storyline um, narrative in Asian cinema, particularly where they do a lot of um, past and present. So it's not anything new, but I just think because the film feels long when it when, when it starts to feel cohesive and the story starts starting to come together, is that around the hour and 27 minute mark. That's when I look because I looked at the time. I'm like, okay, I'm now with it. I'm no longer confused. And then I looked at the time, I'm like, took over an hour to get to this point. 
So I think like it could have, I think it could have done a bit more like this, the plot or the timeline needed more finesse. And I think there's some particular characters that either could have been removed to say to cut away on the time or just that they said make the host either cut the film into two sections about the past and then the second film will be the present. But gotcha. it's still entertaining. I think it's really entertaining. And when I got to the end, I'm like, okay, I need to see what happens in the second film. So I will definitely be watching the second film. So that is Alienoid um, by Che Dong-un. And also this film has a really good cast, but some of the best um, actors don't really get much screen time in the first film. So I wonder if they're going to get more screen time in the second film because this has like a really a really good cast of people that i really like um from dramas and other films so i was like expecting more and like oh so i hope they get more screen time in the second film because like, it will be kind of a waste to have such a great uh, such a good cast and just have these people doing um psychiatrists but also the main one of the main actors um kim Ubin, i just gotta give i just gotta say how proud i am of him because this is his first um big project this film took 17 13 months to film the both films took 13 months to film. But the reason I have to mention him is because he was diagnosed with nasopharyngeal cancer in 2017. So he took a break, almost a two-year break mm-hmm. for um, cancer treatment. So to see him back in fighting for him, literally, because he's playing a lot of action-heavy roles after being sick for so long. It was just like, oh, I'm like, you're back. So there's that. And then the second film, I'm just going to briefly talk about again, a special delivery. And this one stars... Um, Park So Dam, who a lot of people again know from um, Parasite and a whole bunch of other projects, and Yu Sung Woo, he's such a cutie pie, and Han Young Min, and this little cute, adorable little boy named Young um, Jung Hyun Yun, and Yeon Woo Jin, and Kim Woo Sung, and it's a really another a really um, good cast of um, performers that I'm kind of familiar with, and this one is th- think Transformer, but with a female driver. And a young female driver. Not transformer, transporter, sorry. The transporter. Oh, I was like, okay. Not transformer. The transporter, but with a young female driver. And like the, the stunt core. I also have to give a shout out to the stunt choreographers and the and stunt drivers for action films in particular. And this one, I think they did such a fantastic job choreo choreographing the driving stunts because it's so much of it is taking place within the car and it's about this car stunt driving. They did a they did a really fantastic job choreographing the stunts for this and like and figuring out where to put things and like filming from within the car. And well, we know Paxodam isn't doing all the stunt driving, but I think she she's very convincing. Like you mm-hmm. know, since you can tell when somebody is like they don't look natural behind the wheel doing these kind of specific stunts, you can tell she did a lot of work, um, like to really get in line with this character. And she did a really good job, and I think it's a really well directed film and a really and the, the storyline is simple. It's like. One we've seen many times, but it's, it's so different because like, you get to see it from a female, a, a woman in this kind of role. We don't get to see female actresses in these specific type of roles often, right? Mm-hmm. And it's especially Paxodam. I'm like, look at you, Paxodam, another action role in your pocket. Come on, do some more. <laughs> um, but this is Special Delivery. It's really good. Um, it's going to be on... So Special Delivery, Alenia Lloyd is going to be released online and virtual... Um, and VOD by Wago USA. So you can go on their website and look up the when you can like purchase them for online viewing. And um, so I and ooh, I think special delivery is um on Vicky actually. It's also available for rental on Vicky as well. But you can go on the Wago USA site to see where it's where else it's also being distributed because it might not be on Vicky permanently, but it will be permanently on the Wago USA site. So check them out there. And those are my three films. <laughs> tired let's go nisha take it away all right to bring us home i'm going to i only have two 
so I'm just gonna keep it real quick. So before I get into Dragon Ball Super Superhero, which that name is so long, but honestly, it's very fitting. I really want to qu- very quickly want to touch on Thor: Love and Thunder. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yes. I saw it, and maybe this is another bonus episode if, you, if Carolyn also wants to dive into it another day. But wait, I just, very quickly I will just say this: y'all could wait until it comes on Disney Plus. Isn't it already on Disney Plus? Is it, it's not, not yet. On... Not oh, it, really? It'll, it'll be on Disney Plus soon. Doctor Strange just got on Disney Plus. So, like, mm-hmm. Thor, it came out, like, maybe a less than a month or so ago. So, it'll be on Disney Plus soon. So, my point is, y'all can wait until it comes on Disney Plus. It's yeah. not worth a trip to the theater. I mean, I'm at a point where, like, I'm really, I've been really good at timing when I go to theaters now. So, like, it's not too crowded. So, I don't mind going to theaters, mm-hmm. but when I go, I would like the trip to be worthwhile. That's not me saying the movie is terrible. However, like when I went with me and my sister, I'm like, okay, you know the magic that they were able to capture with like Thor Ragnarok. I think the thing that happened was like they basically gave Taito Titi uh the direction of more of this. We want more of this. And we want more of fun Thor, more of Thor having fun, but also balancing like the dark side of the things that he's dealing with. But, you know, like, but punch it up. And I just feel like they got so focused doing that, that I think it's kind of like a distraction to like some of the deeper parts of the story, which like spoiler, but not spoiler. If you're familiar with the whole Lady Thor or like the Mightiest Thor, sorry, it's actually Mightiest Thor. Mm. Um you are familiar with the fact that Jane Foster and Thor, like they're in this movie together. This is her, they're reuniting and everything. This movie kind of touches on why they broke up, but it doesn't really get into, like it get it touches on it, but it doesn't get into it's it. Level. It's so surface level. And they, they just do it in a flashback and they're basically saying like, oh, it's because they grew apart and they're busy. And Thor wanted a life with, Thor wanted a life with Jane. And he was considering what that could be, but then he was worried about losing that. I'm like, but why was he worried about losing that? You're a literal God. You mm-hmm. could you you could have children with her. You you like no one really went beyond them. Like, why are you worried that you'll lose that Thor? Is it because you're you realize that she is a mortal being and that means her life is a blip in yours and you're worried about what that will mean if you were to have children these are the questions (laughs) this is what should have been getting explored and instead it just like makes you assume all that and again I'm not one of those people like well I thought it was going to do this I'm like no you touched on this I don't understand why like what was Thor's motivation and then in like hesitating or like and they would have had time to explore that, right? Because the film is like pretty lengthy, isn't it? It's like almost two and a half hours long. What? It's not that I don't think it would have been that hard to like spend a little bit more time exploring that like part of it. And then towards the end, my whole thing is like you could literally just wish her to be healed. You could literally just wish her to be healed. You could wish the cancer away. But I understand that like they wanted this to be closing a chapter on Jane and Thor and like moving forward for Thor like and it's like as much as this is supposed to be a movie about grief and like all, there's just like a lot of questions I have because like there's also Jane choosing like they touch on why Jane chose not to tell many people about her diagnosis mm-hmm. and when I but like when I say touch I mean touch it's literally because her mom also which I assume because we don't know but her mom also 
had a battle with cancer. It's not said that it's cancer, but she saw her, she has trauma from seeing her own mother battling alone. That I guess like she decides that like, no, I will do this silently and I will figure it out myself. Instead, like you have a Viking God at your disposal. You have Asgardian magic at your disposal. I don't care about my pride at that point because she's literally trying to figure and solve it herself. But it's like the Jane's whole arc is kind of like she should like it's like let people in and get close instead of pushing them away. But it's like, see, this gets into what we've spoken about before when it comes to Marvel films, where they have this thing about making female characters suffer more than they need to. But we'll get into that into our special yeah. episode. Because I special have episode. not watched Thor Love and Thunder. I have not watched the Lady Spider-Man film. I have not watched um what's it called? The Doctor Strange movie. I still haven't finished um whatchamacallit. Mm-hmm. It's Marvel. Mm-hmm. And I ha- I I want to watch She Hulk because I'm interested to I the, actually- the, the, the I'm interested in the dynamic between Charlie Cox and Tatiana Maslany. Like they're two mm-hmm. fantastic actors. So I kind of want to see their dynamic and I want to see how the the show looks. And but I have I've lost all excitement for Marvel content. I think I think she I watched the first episode of Street Hulk. I recommend watching it. I think you you may I think maybe give it to I'm like I'm gonna give it until like three more episodes though Mm -hmm. until like I make a solid decision. But like the last few Marvel shows besides Loki um, they've been very focused on the next generation where like and like well no I also watch Moon Knight but like I just I I, I will get into Miss Marvel one day I just don't care that much about this new generation of Marvel right now I know it's going to play a role they're going to do the Young Avengers and all that but like I want to watch it because I hear great things about Miss Marvel so I should go ahead and like at least give it a chance but yeah, I think She-Hulk is good. Thor, I think you'll find more frustration than like what you felt. Because like I didn't feel too frustrated with the previous films. I think I was just kind of frustrated with like, I'm laughing throughout this movie, but it's like, yo, I feel like there's a missed opportunity to go deeper with some of this these character arcs in this movie. Do we really expect better from Taika Waititi though? I mean... All shade intended. I don't, I, I'm not going to dig into that. <laughs> I like Taika actually, so I'm like I don't really know if there's more to that. Like, but then again, I haven't seen a lot of his other work, so like I liked what he did with Thor Ragnarok, so I at least had faith that like, oh, this will be a fun romp. And I'm like, this went too heavy on the romp and not enough on the deep. Thor Ragnarok worked mainly because of the cast more than the story itself. I think yeah, I mean that's the thing. There was like a lot of different dynamics in Thor Ragnarok, and I liked it in the way they handled sending off Odin and exploring like all and like all these realizations that Thor was coming to. Like hmm. Thor's whole arc in the MCU has really been him being humbled, <laughs> realizing oh, why he wants to be the mightiest like <laughs> hero, why he wants to be a hero. Him fe- him feeling not worthy, then beca- knowing that he still has worth even if he himself does feels like he's failed and now we're here where it's like thor you're not a king but you're still a god and you loved a woman you lost the woman like there's this whole thor is definitely in a space of like trying to find himself and he's been trying to find himself for how long now how many films has thor's been going through like literally this is like thor's going through some shit (laughs) and i'm just like when is thor not gonna be going through shit anymore (laughs) We don't have no peace. No peace. He has not. At least not since in game. No, <laughs> Infinity War. 
so yeah anyways last film um Lazo mentioned I covered Crunchyroll Expo this year at San Jose. I did go in person. Um, I got the opportunity. This is actually my first big anime con, so like that was really huge. But I got the opportunity to speak to a bunch of different people. But the one of the interviews I was most excited about is I got to talk to the cast of Dragon Ball Super Superhero. So specifically, um, I talked to the voices of Piccolo, Gamma 1, and Gamma 2. Um, and Gamma 1 and Gamma 2 are two new original characters. So basically the premise is that Goku and Vegeta are doing what they do best, training off-world. <laughs> and Brawly's in there from like Dragon Ball Super Brawly. So like for people who know, that's one of my favorite Dragon Ball Super movies, but that is for another time. But that's like, a that is the B-plot where mm-hmm. like what Dragon, what makes this movie special is that like Gohan and Piccolo are the main stars like for a lot of people who met who are familiar with dragon ball they are probably familiar with the formula of there's a big bad villain that comes um everybody goes up to fight him they get knocked down vegeta finally goes up and he gets knocked down and then goku shows up and he finishes the evil bad guy and then happy happy ever after this doesn't that does not happen here instead um there again this is like I would say anyone who started off watching Dragon Ball like early on, like when it was just Dragon Ball mm-hmm. and they're familiar with the characters from the Red Ribbon Army, there's like they touch on that. And then they also so they're bringing things from like previous years, like from the from the Dragon Ball franchise oh, to the like Dragon Ball years. Z <laughs> franchise. And it's like, no, and, like that's the best thing to me is because like there's things that like if you're a fan of Dragon Ball like the entire franchise it's a very widespreading like timeline of different things that happened and it's nice that like they touch on it but they That's do like, the work what, of explaining 20, no not more than 20 years because dragon ball was up oh, when he was maybe in, 30 30 I plus i'm 30 i'm 1986 yeah so that's good that's 30 that's 37 years yeah so they're almost at 40 years so it's like but it's like if anybody has ever watched dragon ball dragon ball z dragon ball super like there are things that you just like know like there's the red ribbon army that go like goku used to battle when he was a kid and -hmm. they get brought back in the movie like when was the last like someone who's like a dragon ball fan like me like what was the last time you heard the red ribbon army mentioned and it's just like they get for nostalgia yeah i mean it's not even that big on nostalgia though because like the way they do it it's like it's not so much digging into like the past it's just that like oh hey remember this group this villain Mm -hmm. they're they've always they've still been around this whole time let's see what they've been up to so like the plot really focuses on like that's the these, these are the villains and then like but then it does that thing where like the villains aren't exactly bad guys I'm not going to give too much away because I would like people to go into it and experience it. But like the real, the the best thing that I really, that that I find about this is that it gives characters like Goku, not sorry, um, Gohan and Piccolo some shine. Characters that have basically felt like they took a backseat after the Cell Saga and Blue Saga and the series. So it's nice to see that Piccolo is being is doing what he does best and he's trying to train remind Gohan that like hey just because your father and Vegeta are around doesn't mean we should not stay prepared because Gohan's just been so focused on studying and being professor and blah 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 that he doesn't really train that much or that he's just gotten lazy so this kind of this this villain presents the opportunity for Gohan 
to get serious and for him to realize that like just because my dad and Vegeta are around right now doesn't mean I should get relaxed and that I shouldn't um be shouldn't be ready to go if a threat comes again because yeah it's like dude your your dad's died a few times he's dead like what 15 times (laughs) right he's died a few times and he's come back but at this time at this point it's just like would my thought would be like just because Goku and Vegeta around does not mean you should just be relaxed at the fact that like oh yeah no one's gonna fight the earth we're at peaceful times like no be ready stay ready it's just and it's good and I just love the voice acting um that they do like the and it it does a really good job of blending action and comedy in the new animation style which I was like hesitant at first because it's CGI mm-hmm. but it does it's smooth like it's not like some of these CGI anime like Saint Seiya which is just so blocky and chunky and I don't know how else to describe it besides that Dragon Ball Super feels like you're watching a video game a high quality video game but they are also blending in the 2D and 3D animation like it's it's fascinating because you get to see like a background that looks like it's 2D but like texturized and everything in 3D but then you like I no y'all just have to watch it to I've seen I've seen that in a I'm trying to think of what cartoon um another good example of that I would say well we're like we're drag while this movie feels like it's more of a blending of 2D and 3D Mm. um Lupin the third, the CGI one that came out 2020, that one is very much more CGI, but it's smooth and like in that. But like there, I do know what you're talking about. There's like there's been a few other films that have done a good job of blending 2D and C in 3D CGI animation really well. Yeah, because I know I've seen that in a couple um thing. Mm-hmm. a couple animated shows but, but not as interesting like yeah um dragon ball z i never really really got into it because whenever i would try to watch it my mom did, was are you watching <laughs> so the only time i really got to watch dragon ball z is either, either before my mom came home from work or if it my friends and i watched it because <laughs> my mom was uh, my mom wasn't all she still is she's still the same way she was all about the whole anime uh. um content you know she was like what's that you watching so like, i would only get to watch dragon ball z and like sailor moon mm-hmm. and like um big O and those kind of cartoons when my mom was not home or if she went or or if she was in the bedroom sleeping i would have to have to turn the tv down really really low uh, yeah <laughs> those struggles of the olden days the but struggle. yeah but dragon ball z well yeah I, I, but yeah dragon like goku well one of the worst fathers ever yeah one of the worst fathers ever. I mean, he's no shell, he's no shell tucker. So from Fullmetal Alchemist. So at yeah, least he gets turn his child into a dog. Listen, but nobody can't talk. Uh, nobody can't talk. Um, my guy in Avatar: The Last Airbender. Like, oh, he, he's straight. Ozai. Up. Ozai is straight. Up. Oh yeah, where Goku literally is just like it's in his saying nature to like. Oh yeah, just my child like. My kids are t- no, not just being incompetent. It's like him choosing my my kids are tough. They can go and battle this monster and he'll win. Whereas like Ozai is literally like, yeah, you bring shame here and you've dishonored me. I'm going to abuse you and burn half your face. And also like I'm an imperialist. I'm a genocidal maniac. You know, I mm-hmm. I believe in obliterating all these other factions because I think mine is stronger and I'm better. I'm like you, sir, are just straight up trash. Worst father in fictional history. Absolute garbage. 
I mean, sure. but Shao Tucker literally fused his daughter and dog together. That's from what cartoon? That's from Full Metal Alchemist. That's, That's what happens in Full Metal Alchemist? That's one of the stories that happened in Full Metal Alchemist. Whoa. He's a villain. He's really? not a main he's not a main villain, but like, yeah. Yeah. Seriously. He transmutates his daughter and oh, and he also did the same thing to his wife before like five years before. And, and nobody they didn't wondered. Tear him apart with their canines. Hmm. And they didn't tear him apart with their canines, like rip into him. No, because they didn't know like it's still a child's brain and a dog's brain. So like it's wow. like they don't dig into it much. It's literally like a three episode arc, but it's like thinking of it as like, oh yeah, you're you put a five-year-old's brain and a dog's brain together, what is it going to do? Question its existence and wonder what's going on and, like, tell you that it's in pain. Mm. Anyways, <laughs> that has been, so here's what happened. Woo. So what a way Woo. to end it. I know. Let's end I, it on a bit of a higher note than talking about trash men. So um, what else in store for you, Nisha? <laughs> I, I um, Kataka, why do I sound Katana Caster right there? I know. <laughs> I love it, though. I love it. No, I would say right now for me, I'm doing more. Co- I'm doing more cosplays. I just did up my. Bu- it is at today when we're recording. It is Bunny Suit Day, also known as Bunny Girl Day. But anybody can wear a bunny suit if they would choose so. So I did my Bulma cosplay, for- and that was fun. And I have a few more cosplays coming up. As far as like writing and stuff, I'm going to be working on some more original stuff. Um, I have something that I cannot speak until it is out again. So I will be quiet on that. And yeah, that's enough for me. On to Carolyn. Um, what else do I have? For me, as I said, like you guys can, as usual, turn into my YouTube channel to see interviews that I've done over the last couple of months. For me, I, in September is festival season continues. So I'll be covering the tip. Um, festival, which is the Toronto International Film Festival here in Toronto. And I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be in person. So this is going to be my first in-person festival since 2020. I am going to be very selective in what I see, though, because, again, we're still in the pandemic, people. And I'm going to be very, I'm still very cognizant of it. I'm still very careful and conscious. So I'll be very select in the films that I want to watch. One of the, the film at the top of my list is The Woman King, starring Viola Davis and a whole cast of badass, dark-skinned black yes. women. Directed by Gina Prince Blythewood. I um, mean, you know, this is a film about the Doemi and the Amazons um, from Africa and about their in a whole portrait, the Portuguese and the portrait training. And they were like, no, you shall not pass. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't wait to watch it. That's at the top of my list. And also, there's The Decision to Leave by Park Chanuk, one of my favorite filmmakers, South Korean film. He's a the filmmaker who did um, Lady Vengeance and The Handmaiden. And so I'm really looking forward to this one. And um, I, that's it for me for right now. I'm just going to be working on getting interviews for, for TIFF. And oh, also, I re- and I also took part in, um, I was also part of a panel for the K-Mania, the influence of Korean film and culture on today's media landscape. And we talked about it for TIFF Summer Soul event, and it was a blast. I met some great people. I met Grayson, who's a student, a PhD student studying media and Korean culture. And I also spoke to, and I also was on the panel with Michelle um, Cho, who's also, um, who also does Korean media um, studies. And our panel moderator, uh, Madeline, she was amazing. She, I think she did a fantastic job moderating. It was just so good. I was like, it was a literal dream of truth because like you guys don't love to talk, obviously, if you have a podcast. But mm-hmm. it's always been my dream to be able to talk on a panel about Korean film 
about K-dramas, for goodness sakes, and, and you know, like how that influences um, TV and stuff now. Um, it was just so much fun. Like, I hope to be able to get to do it again soon. And um, I think that's it for me for big announcements. I don't have anything else other than TIFF coming up. Um, so I think we can wrap up here. Nisha, tell the people where they can find you and your work. Yeah, y'all can find me and my work over at But Why Though, which is now butwhythough.net. So yeah, the podcast has been dropped. So y'all <laughs> make sure you remember that is butwhythough.net. Um, and y'all can also find me on Instagram and Twitter, mostly on Instagram. So hit me up over there. And that is at Nisha Plays. What about you, Carolyn? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram using the hashtag, no, sorry, using the handle at Carrie Sanders. So that's at C-R-I-E. Stuff. You can usually find my most recent work, interview, interviews, and writers in my pinned tweets and also in posts for, on Instagram. And you can find all of my published work on my R3 page. Just go to r3.com slash Carolyn Hines. You can go to my YouTube channel under my name, Carolyn Hines, H-I-N-D-S, and find YouTube um, video versions of my interviews for Carolyn Talks, for African American Film Critics Association, Beyond the Romance, which is my Asian drama podcast youtube channel as i like to say i just love saying that part mm-hmm. and um uh, you can find links for my panel that i did for tiff there um in the panel and interviews playlist or you can also go to the tiff site um the tiff youtube channel as well so watch the full panel there as well and um you can follow my hashtags dramas with carrie for dramas that i've been like tweeting and look at my reactions to like to dramas and I also do Saturday Night Sci-Fi. Every Saturday night at 10th and Easter, I am my close we host um, a live tweets um, session about films and TV shows from around the world with a sci-fi element in it. And for August, we call it Avatar August, where we've been, we've been doing it for three years. Yay! And this is our third year, so we're doing season three of Avatar The Last Airbender. And it's been so much fun. And I just love that series. Every time I watch it, I find something new about it. And as we said, Ozai is the worst father. But I think it's also one of the most well-written animated Forget anime, one of the most well-written shows because I think the character arts are done so well. Like, my favorite character is Zuko. Like, he has such a great um, character art for season three. And, of course, there is the fight, this iconic fight between Zuko and Azula, which is one of the most beautifully animated sequences ever. The orchestration, the choreography is stunning. It's one of my favorite action sequences, film, live action, TV show, whatever. I just love that sequence. I always look forward to when we watch this se- when I watch this season. And I think that is it. So everyone, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Caroline. Um, so here's what happened. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I, you know what? Because I've gotten so accustomed. It's like almost like, almost like, almost like I'm automatic for me now. But yes, Nisha, <laughs> thank you for another episode. Of, so here's what happened. And mm-hmm. you can find, so here's what happened. Of course, you're listening to podcasts. You can find it on pod, um, but why the pod, but as well as like ACAST, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and other podcast streaming platforms. We and you can interact with Nisha and I on our Twitter, and I think you, you can also get recommendations for shows or TR films or manga, whatever that you would like us to talk about or for our, our um, followers to, to read and watch as well. And everyone, until the next episode, stay safe. Bye. Bye. Bye.